a lot of these CEOs focus not just on having a team of stars, but having a star team. Really making sure that they bring a team together and they work very hard on not just the composition of the team, but how the team works well together to deliver the best results for the company. CEOs who wake up and know that what they need to do is have impact, have financial impact, grow the company, grow the number of jobs that they're creating for people, think about sustainability, think about all of these different types of things and move the enterprise forwards. Olá, bem-vindas e bem-vindos. Eu sou a Mariana Almeida e este é o McKinsey Talks, direto do estúdio da McKinsey em São Paulo. Apenas três em cada cinco CEOs se mostram à altura das expectativas de desempenho nos primeiros 18 meses na posição. E quase 70% admitem que se consideravam despreparados ao assumir. Metade afirma que a posição não era o que eles esperavam. Mas aqueles que acertam a mão podem colher resultados de alto impacto. As decisões controladas pelo CEO podem representar 45% do desempenho de uma empresa. Os desafios e aprendizados também se estendem a outros papéis de liderança. Afinal, em um mundo de aceleradas transformações e de alta volatilidade, liderar tornou-se ainda mais desafiador. E para identificar o que há em comum entre os melhores líderes do mundo, a McKinsey analisou mais de 20 anos de dados de quase 8 mil empresas em 70 países e 24 indústrias. E entrevistou 67 líderes que tiveram altíssimo desempenho e cujas companhias ficaram comprovadamente mais saudáveis durante os seus mandatos. Este grupo de empresas gerou em 2019 uma receita estimada em 2,5 trilhões de dólares. O resultado do estudo pode ser conferido no livro CEO Excellence, As Seis Mentalidades dos Melhores Líderes, que foi lançado este ano e já se tornou best-seller de veículos como The New York Times e The Wall Street Journal. E para falar mais sobre este tema, nosso episódio especial de hoje traz dois grandes nomes da McKinsey. Vic Marhotra, sócio sênior da McKinsey em Nova York e autor do livro. Hello Vic, it's a pleasure to have you here today with us. Mariana, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here in Sao Paulo. Great. Também está aqui ao nosso lado a Tracy Francis, sócia sênior da McKinsey em São Paulo e líder global de branding, comunicação e marketing. Bem-vinda, Tracy, ao nosso estúdio também aqui hoje. Obrigada, Mari. Muito bem. Então, hoje a nossa conversa será em inglês. So, let's get started. Of course. Vic, you are the author of the McKinsey book, CEO Excellence. What problem did you hope to solve with this book? Well, Mariana, as we uh, have looked over the years at our research, we see that great CEOs disproportionately drive value in their companies and have greater impact on society as a whole through jobs and societal impact that they have in terms of their messages and the like. Uh, and indeed, in sector after sector, the very best performing CEOs uh, can outperform their peers by three times every year. And when you add that up year on year, it's a lot. Uh, we've also discovered that 40 to 45% of a company's overall performance can be dictated by the leadership provided by the CEO. So we knew this, right? We knew that all these great CEOs uh, drive disproportionate value and performance and societal benefit, but we weren't quite sure as to why. What were they doing that made them so special? And we looked around at the literature 
And here's what we discovered. We discovered there are lots and lots of books written on the topic of leadership. There are lots of books written by individual CEOs on their own leadership journeys, but nothing that looked holistically across great CEOs globally and said, what are their behaviors? What are they doing that's different that might explain their outperformance? And so we went down a path of really having great conversations with 67 excellent CEOs that we identified and defined. And we discovered that indeed they do do things differently uh, across the six responsibilities of a CEO, uh, setting the direction, aligning the organization, mobilizing the team, engaging the board, connecting with stakeholders in their own personal operating model. What we discovered was that these great CEOs have very different mindsets. They take very different actions than most CEOs and most leaders. They really do distinguish themselves in some different ways. So that's the problem we set out to solve and hopefully we found a few answers. Great, and three times is a lot, so very impressive. And you have dealt with so many leaders during your work as a consultant and also counselor to CEOs and boards. What have you learned during this specific research? You mentioned a couple of things, but I don't know if you want to go deeper. And if I want to know if there was any surprise in your findings that you didn't expect. Yeah, there were a number of surprises. So uh, let me call out uh, four or five things that in particular stood out for me. Uh, when you kind of think about setting the direction, I was very impressed with how each of the CEOs we talked to were very bold and visionary about the direction that they want to take the company. Early in their tenure, they established a view and a vision where, as to where they wanted the institution to be in five, seven, eight years. And while there are the ups and downs of every quarter and every year, they stuck with that vision. They stuck with that vision and The, the vision in many ways was almost audacious. It was so bold that it was really an audacious vision in many ways. So I was impressed by how visionary they were and how they struck with their vision and their direction in terms of where they want to take the company. So that was one big, big surprise. The second big surprise was in pursuing that vision, uh, the energy and effort they put into where do I put my resources. So when it came to capital allocation or expense allocation or where they put their talent, they really over-indexed on putting the best resources against what they believed were the best opportunities. And that really struck me as something that was differential. A third uh, was when it came to aligning the organization uh, and what we call the mindset of treat the soft stuff as the hard stuff. When it came to culture, they picked on just one or two elements of culture that really related to their vision. And they were very, very particular about emphasizing it, putting metrics on it, putting measurements on it, role modeling it, talking about it, paying people on it, and being very consistent in their message across one or two cultural dimensions that they felt would really shape and shift the company. Number four, talent. They recognize early on that talent is really, really important. In fact, nine out of 10 CEOs, when I asked them the question, what is your single biggest regret? And remember, these are the high performing CEOs. Nine out of 10 of them said, my biggest regret is I didn't move quickly enough on talent. And what you learn from them is the energy and effort that they really put into making sure that the talent, not just in their teams, but across the organization is absolutely top notch, absolutely top notch. A fifth 
interesting learning for us was a lot of these CEOs focus not just on having a team of stars, but having a star team. Really making sure that they bring a team together and they work very hard on not just the composition of the team, but how the team works well together to deliver the best results for the company. A sixth interesting perspective was on the boards. Many of my, uh, many of the CEOs I've worked with over time look to manage their board and then quickly get back to work. These great CEOs took an approach of saying, I want to really engage the board. I want to get the most out of these great leaders that are on my board. And the final thing that really surprised me was I expected these very successful leaders to be quite top-down and almost autocratic in their approach. But instead, what I discovered were leaders who were quite humble, very authentic, led through others, were good listeners, and ultimately realized that the success of the institution and the success of others was bigger than themselves. And their leadership style was really quite distinctive in that sense. Very interesting. So the soft skills are very important indeed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. And Tracy, are there any particularities regarding Brazilian leaders as we have long faced volatility here and we are known for our resilience and creativity? So I think there's three or four things that we can highlight um, about leaders from Brazil and leaders in Brazil. Um, Vic used the word audacious when he was talking about the goals that the, the CEOs that they um, were looking at set. And I think here we have audacity, we have always had audacity, but it's audacity with real dynamism because we know things are constantly changing, things are unpredictable. Um, and so the ability to have that very long-term goal but turn on a dime is something that I find quite distinctive um, in Brazilian CEOs versus others that I interact with around the world. Um, the second thing you alluded to a little bit, which is just the, the entrepreneurial grit that a CEO, uh, you know, living and managing in the context in which we find ourselves has to have. And so if you think about, you know, what's happening in the world outside of Brazil right now, and we have leaders who are learning really for the first time how to deal with inflation, how to deal with... We are very used to it. <laughs> right. With real macroeconomic volatility. And I will say to you that, I mean, I have been in Brazil for nearly 20 years. There has never been a moment when I have had more demand from, uh, from stakeholders outside of Brazil to understand how Brazilian leaders have actually acted in this environment. And so there's a, there's a real appreciation, but this entrepreneurial grit, which says, fine, we live in a geography that may or may not grow in terms of GDP per capita. You know, we may or may not know how the government's going to behave in the next couple of months, right? But CEOs who wake up and know that what they need to do is have impact, have financial impact, grow the company, grow the number of jobs that they're creating for people, think about sustainability, think about all of these different types of things and move the enterprise forwards. Um, I think something very distinctive here. And then perhaps the third thing I'd call out was Vic talked about this relationship with the board. And I think the capital structure of many of our companies here makes that a, a little bit different than the relationship, for example, in the United States, right? We have many family-owned businesses or businesses where, you know, the, the, the company is, um, is listed, but there are still sort of, you know, control blocks. And I think that makes, on the one hand, uh, the relationship between the board and the CEO sort of tighter in some ways. Um, on the other hand, it means that navigating that relationship um, and making it a productive relationship is something that CEOs here have 
typically spent a lot of time thinking about and skills and, and building skills in that area. Exactly. Okay, thank you. And Tracy, McKinsey had already conducted a number of other leadership studies. What different perspectives does the book bring? I feel like now Vic's going to feel I'm evaluating his <laughs> no, work. No, so no, I, I will avoid doing that. He can uh, compliment you. Okay? I, will, <laughs> I will avoid doing that. Um, having said that, when I talk to my clients, and, and by the way, many of my clients, you know, we give them the book and that's exciting. But then the next conversation I have with them say, right, but, you know, I've read the book and here's what I want to talk to you about. Um, so I think that's exciting. But what I'm hearing from them is a couple of things that are really helpful. Um, the first one is having a framework, right? having six elements that you can then go through in a sort of programmatic way and think about, wow, have I thought about that element? Do I have a plan? Am I measuring up well? And reading what these leaders that were interviewed for the book, who are really stellar leaders, have said in a quite open and transparent and vulnerable way about their own experience is something that people have really called out. Um, another thing that people have really called out is this idea um, that is that is in the book around the personal operating model and how do you as a leader manage your energy, manage your time so that you can get all of the things done, but in a way that's authentic to your style, coherent, gives you energy and all of that. And I think that's another thing that folks have found really exciting. Um, and then I think the third thing, and this is actually um, from, from aspiring CEOs, right, as well as, you know, CEOs who are new in role, but shining a light on sort of things that are a little hidden and not discussed as much. So, for example, we were both talking about the relationship with boards, right? That is not, you know, well expounded upon in the literature. And I think this book really shines a light on how do you create a constructive relationship. Interesting, yeah. I appreciate the evaluation. <laughs> <laughs> and can the lessons learned from this study also be applied to other professionals in different leadership positions, not only CEOs? Vic, what do you think? Oh, absolutely. Uh, in my mind, uh, at the end of the day, even though this book is anchored in what we learned in terms of how CEOs lead and what distinguishes the best from the rest, I think at the end of the day, this is a book about leadership. And I think it applies to anyone who one day wants to be a leader or indeed people who are currently perhaps in the C-suite or you know one level below that. I think it absolutely uh, works for them. And and I would particularly call out, there are, there are six elements of leadership that we talk about here and six mindsets. Four of them, I think, apply universally to all of us. Uh, when it comes to setting the direction and the mindset of be bold, uh, obviously recognizing we live in a volatile world, you've also got to balance risk management. But I think all the lessons in the book around setting the direction and be bold are applicable to everyone. When it comes to aligning the organization and all the messages we heard on culture and talent, they apply to everyone. When it comes to mobilizing through your team and this mindset of solve for the team psychology. I don't think it matters where, what you're leading. You may be leading at the C-suite level. You may be leading many levels down in the organization. This notion of how do I build a star team versus just a team of stars is a powerful concept because it talks about, you know, how do you really bring a team together to be at its very best? Uh, and I think that applies to everyone. And certainly, the operating model that Tracy was just talking about and how all of us lead, no matter what area we're responsible for, I think applies to everybody. I do think the other two are a little bit more unique to the CEO when it comes to managing the board and engaging the board, although there may be some lessons there for others. And indeed, CEOs probably have a greater burden on them 
when it comes to engaging external stakeholders. So there are a couple of dimensions that may not apply to everyone, but four out of the six dimensions in many ways apply to all of us as leaders. Great. Tracy, do you want to add anything else? I would just say that some of the most rewarding conversations I have had, you know, on the basis of the book um, were at clients who I've reached out to who I know have aspirations to be CEOs over time and where we've sat down and said, okay, let's make a three-year plan. Here's the six elements. Where do you feel you're weak? Where do you feel you're not, you know, not well apprenticed? And how do you get that apprenticeship? And to your point, Vic, around these last two, often that's where the person doesn't have apprenticeship. And so then we've been able to be more strategic about how do you go and get that, exactly. get that apprenticeship. Right. And it's a more systematic approach and you can have the aspirations there also for being a CEO. It's nice, I think, if you're if you're someone who's sort of aspiring to be CEO, presumably your hands are pretty full with your day job, right? So you're, you're trying to, you know, actually get done what you need to get done. And so to have a guide that says, okay, well, over time you're going to need to, you know, have developed relationships with some of the board members of your board and therefore find opportunities and have a conversation with the existing CEO about how you're going to do that, I think is, you know, incredibly useful and practical day-to-day, -day, you know, advice. Yeah. So unfortunately, we are reaching the end of our session. To close this conversation, what final messages do you two uh, want to leave for our audience? So if you can start, Vic, and after Tracy. The final message I think I would leave is, uh, well, if I can leave almost three final yeah, messages. Yeah, you can. <laughs> Feel free. There, there is something about this notion of being bold in whatever role uh, or responsibility you have. One of the big messages from the CEOs we interviewed was they said, look, if you inherit a company or you inherit a division or you inherit any role and it's doing fine, if you stay with that for, if you just stay with what was working so far, it'll catch up to you in three years. Worse still, if you're incremental, it'll catch up to you in a year. So always think big, think bold, think in, in big terms because the world's moving too quickly for you not to think in those terms. So that would be... Not to what, change. Yeah, not yes, to... exactly right. You know, even when things are working well, you've got to think about the change and what is that next level that you want to take, whatever you're responsible for. All right, so to me, that would be one. I, I think the second one is talent. Talent is so important. And being very purposeful around, you know, the talent you're bringing into the organization, the talent you're surrounding yourselves with, with, it is a huge factor in the success story here. So I think to me, that would be a second piece that I'd emphasize. And the third, we've already talked about it, but I think the notion of a authentic, humble leadership style goes such a long way to being inspirational in the organization, whether you're the CEO, the C-suite leader, or you're leading a small team within a company. I think, I think you're thinking hard about your personal leadership style will go a long way in terms of allowing you to be effective as a leader. Great. Tracy, how about you? So I, I love those points. Um, I think what's on my mind is I, I think there has in some ways never been a harder time to lead, right? We're in a moment of great uncertainty, great volatility, and real demands from CEOs, not just in terms of growth, but in terms of doing growth that is inclusive, creating jobs for people, growth that you know deals with net zero and carbon emissions and all of those kinds of things. It's very difficult to put all of that together. At the same time, you in your, your opening, Marty, talked about how many CEOs who come into role who feel unprepared for that role. And so what I kind of take away from this is, you know, 
there is a methodology. This is actually not um, alchemy, right? The, you know, there is a book here where we have done the work to look at a lot of data and talk to a lot of people to actually create a frame to, you know, to help CEOs do that job effectively. And so I just, I, I think it's a wonderful demystification of what it actually takes to, you know, to be successful. And a great resource too. <laughs> and, and I would just emphasize, if I may, this, this notion of it's never been harder to lead. And Tracy had a great list there. I will also add to it with everything that we have today in terms of transparency, social yes. media, yes. the voice of the employee. You know, you're, you're a leader in the organization. You get that voice right away. And so your ability to kind of be able to make all these right judgments and have a bit of a compass, I think, yes. is what we were trying to do yes. in many ways. Yeah, and I think it's, it's wonderful. Vic and Tracy, thank you very much for this insightful conversation and for joining us today. It was a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Muito obrigada também a você que nos acompanha em vídeo em podcast. Para enviar um feedback sobre este episódio, acesse a pesquisa pelo link que está aí na descrição. E para entrar em contato com os nossos especialistas, nosso e-mail é mackinsey-talks.com. Você também pode enviar perguntas para o nosso próximo episódio. Participe! E a agenda completa do McKinsey Talks está no mckinseytalks.com. Lá você também pode conferir este episódio e os anteriores em vídeo ou em podcast. É isso aí, muito obrigada e até a próxima!